Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. I'm Wazni Big Wazland Bray. Of course, as always, is my homie, my compadre, my comrades. You know, fellow commie scum out in New York <laughs> and here in Los Angeles, Michael Brooks, and of course, Nando Vila. Uh, on today's show, we're going to do a post-mortem with Super Tuesday. Of course, we're going to get into the corona, what has now been officially called a pandemic, um, global pandemic. Uh, but first, just want to tell everybody who wanted to come to the Count to Dings live show in Brooklyn on March 28th. We have canceled the show because of the, the health and safety concerns for all the people involved, um, both, you know, people that were coming to the show, plus all the Count the Dings crew, the staff at at the at the Bell House, everybody. It's it's kind of, you know, New York is one of those places that are, that has been hit hard and will be hit even harder in the weeks to come. So it was kind of a no-brainer that we would cancel the show we're looking at maybe switching it to later dates, but refunds will be issued immediately to all those who purchase their tickets, um, full refunds. And um, yeah, man, it's unfortunate, but this is just the right thing to do. Um, you know, and in, in the grand scheme of things, uh, our show, the live show is pretty much a small non-event when you consider the, the scale of this thing. So um, yeah, that's going to be canceled. Uh, Mike, I don't know what you guys have planned for your so, show. Yeah, I mean, we're to a little bit of a different tack. Um, Austin, April 3rd, we're going to be there. We're offering hugs, um, trying to get people to breathe on each other as much as possible and <laughs> work out the immune systems of the TMBS audience. Uh, I think, to be honest with you, this is the CIA. <laughs> and they're suppressing our immune systems by getting us all anxious. So we're going to Austin. No, I'm just playing. Um, yeah, same thing. Uh, I, I, I do. I'm I'm going off the assumption that probably later in the summer uh, things will even out a bit. So we are actually definitely actively working on getting different dates um, and. You know, our Boston live show is in June and we have not canceled that. Uh, but, you know, obviously we'll see. And health and safety is always the first priority. So we are, um, I would say, you know, rescheduling, but certainly canceling April 3rd. And you can go to the North Door immediately and they will either uh, float your tickets over to the next date or get a full refund immediately. Uh, you know, stay safe, everybody. All right, now that that's out the way, uh, we can finally do a Super Tuesday postmortem. Um, every Super Tuesday, uh, Michigan primary, all of that. Everybody understood 
you know, what was at stake here, both Super Tuesday, the Michigan primary. Uh, as a Bernie, uh, not just supporter, I've, you know, I've contributed to the guy's campaign, even the Bernie campaign, right? Sent out the email. was like, the results weren't good for the campaign. Like, J- Joe Biden is now the prohibitive favorite to get, you know, a plurality of the delegates um, before the convention. Um, he's looking good in all of those states. It's a tough blow. Um, you know, just sort of opening the floor for you guys as far as Michigan. Well, before we even do that, um, I think a snapshot of this that I thought was just, you know, was kind of insane to see that in Michigan, uh, damn, I don't remember if it was Michigan or if it was Minnesota, Bernie won voters from the ages of 18 to 28 by 83%. He lost the vote of 65 and over by the same margin, um, which I just thought was staggering. Um, and just basically told the whole story of this this sort of primary cycle, guys. Um, just sort of wanted to, because I haven't spoken to either of you guys since since Tuesday, so I just wanted to get your thoughts on all of that. Um, well, yeah, I mean, the things are happening so quickly that it already seems like that was so long ago. Um, it really does seem like ancient history at this point. It did seem like it was game over. After the results, you know, like you said, uh, you know, Biden essentially won almost everywhere. I mean, he won every county in Michigan, which is crazy. Um, But regardless of that, Bernie won with voters under 45, basically everywhere, which is just wild to think about. Like, you know, I know as like left wing people, we're not supposed to do generational politics and it can be, you know, there's problems with that. But it's just it's hard to ignore those generational differences. Like they're just so stark. That being said, the events of the past couple of days with coronavirus, I, I can't discount that this thing is over. I mean, I can't, I don't understand how they can even vote in five days in Florida. Like how can they, how can they allow the vote? Like they're, they're shutting down everything. It seems you unlikely know? that that's going to happen. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I mean, I would, I can't imagine the DNC just being like, well, it's over and we're just gonna give it to Biden. Um, but it would just be weird to not allow, you know, still like half the country has to vote. Uh, you know, there's still plenty of States left and how can they, how can they go forward with it? I just really don't know. And you know, this, this coronavirus thing could just put a wrench in the whole narrative because we're going to see, you know, how the response is. We're going to see the debate on Sunday. And, you know, I, I just don't think how they, I just don't know that, that they can hold the vote and buying more time probably helps Bernie, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's true. I, I don't know. I got so many things that I'm trying to figure out here. I think big picture, I think we're in a situation where we really like, you know, it's bad, right? Yeah. And you've got, um, and I think, you know, we, especially those of us, we're always going in between this kind of a play on, uh, on the left of recognizing that, you know, when liberals and people like that use Trump as a big bogey boogeyman, they use that to eliminate conversations on everything. And including, you know, a million things that the Democratic Party is horrible on and has helped create the disaster we're in. Right. Yeah. And at the same time, you know, watching Donald Trump talk about this as a foreign virus uh, and you realize like the combination of just being a Republican, which means that you because this goes back to the 80s. I mean, we are not ready for a public health crisis because we've been slashing like, first of all, we don't have single payer universal health care. And secondly, we have gutted uh, every imaginable public health infrastructure um, and have tried, in fact, to do it globally. I mean, by, you know, as an example, World Bank and IMF programs on developing countries. So uh, Donald Trump and the Republicans are a serious authoritarian menace. And then you've got this Joe, I mean, it's like on a literary level, how perfect is it that the Democratic Party, that their last line of defense of a decades long project of like, let's be real, just failure. I mean, Mm. failure, if your perspective is the good of the many, 
because even if we get really serious here, like the best things that have happened have been things that are important, but don't trans like it's incredibly important that we have a black president. And at the same time, we have a black president. Black home wealth is destroyed in the country. Mm. Now, is that all Obama's fault? Obviously not. But it is a bipartisan system that, of course, he's implicated in because he's the president, right? <laughs> and other things that Democrats, by the way, get credit for, like marriage equality, let's be honest, that was the Supreme Court. <laughs> like, And the overall macro trends, whether we're looking at inequality or criminal justice or climate or trade, not even to mention the stuff in foreign policy, is bad. It's really fucking bad. And now this guy, who's basically like the worst of it on, on every issue, and who is just like uh, like he's declining. I, I don't even want to be shock jock about it. Joe Biden, and you shouldn't amateur diagnose people. Like I don't no, really like not, but doing that. It's not that. hard to see, though. But it's not it's, hard. It's plain for term. everyone to see. Thank, yeah. It's plain for everybody to see. And and as a no, and it's so funny, like. Gaslighting is such an obnoxious, overused, disingenuous, woke term. But honestly, like Democratic honchos and mainstream media saying he's not is gaslighting. Oh, he is, yeah. Right. Like we all see it. Yeah. And and so and then the last part of it. it and I, I got to say, like, I've got my criticisms, my concerns about things that the Bernie campaign did. I think honestly, they had five, ten percent control at most because the whole media, the whole infrastructure was against them. But the left generally, including many like very well-intentioned, awesome people, were just not fit for purpose yet. So we've got a situation where we've got a dead neoliberal thing, literally represented by like the way, like the way the Democratic Party's done this with Joe Biden, honestly reminds me of reading about the Soviet Union in the '80s when they would just keep pushing forward. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> like some guy who has like eight months to live, like Yuri Andropov. And they had like, like a couple of different yeah, leaders. Chernenko. Yeah, they just pushed them out. They were like, "All right, he'll sit in the chair for six months, right?" Like, yeah. and and they did this, <laughs> and then he dies, <laughs> and then he dies, and they're doing, yeah. it and for what it's worth, and again, like even as it's it's depressing that's coming up short, like. Bernie Sanders is, first of all, the only person who has any humane and decent answers to anything we're dealing with, and also is the only person who has any connection with, you know, not just youth. I mean, that's amazing that the stats are like under 45. I mean, that's just a pure, I mean, it's not even just 20s, 30s. It's like, they're not that young. Yeah. Yeah. 45, you could start saying is middle aged if you want, you know, like that's, that's, those are people who've lived life, you know, that's not a 24 year old. And, and so I'm just stuck in this and, you know, in this predicament that, you know, like I know for me, a lot of the conversations I'm going to be having is like, can we actually have a left that isn't off in a fantasy world? Because that's like the contribution I can make. But, uh, you know, I don't know, man. I Corona could go either way because I think it freaks people out so much. And that kind of thirst for normalcy works against Bernie because that's how they chose to frame Bernie is, you know, whatever. On the other hand, it does strike me that anybody who was watching those Corona addresses right. who had even 2 percent of an open mind, Donald Trump said wash your hands and be afraid of china and <laughs> europe and but joe biden said you know don't shake people's hands and don't be racist and bernie sanders talked about the actual crisis and what government could do to deal with it so yeah. if you have any noticing of these things like pretty obvious like there's only one leader up there there's a demagogue a clueless man and a leader yeah, the thing that sticks in my craw is like, and you know, it's what this is, and it's, people are gonna ca- characterize it as spin from the the Sanders campaign, but it's like, you know, sixty two percent of the exit polls are like, yo, we're for Medicare for all, and then they just straight up voted against Bernie, right? Um, yeah. And you know, part of me is just annoying because you know the fucking centrist idiots in the coalition are all doing the victory lap like we told you nobody wants this per this extreme ultra left i like whenever i see these words it kind of gets on my nerves because 
again, like the way Medicare for all polls, the way legalizing weed polls, like there's nothing ultra extreme about it. People want to do this. People want it. But, you know, I don't know what you say to the fact that people want these things yet voted for Joe Biden. I like and part of it, like I said, like these older black people and I brought it up last week to to Nando because I'm like, yo, maybe part of it is like you're pushing Medicare to people who already have it. <laughs> like yeah. I, like there's something about that sale. Right. Like when you make that the emphasis of what you're talking about to a group of voters, by the way, the most reliable group of voters. Right. That like they most reliably turn out, whether it be primaries or general elections, Um Something that they already have in there for they're like, nah, I'm not moved by this subject. And of course, like you guys mentioned, the narrative in the mainstream being like, Bernie's this crazy hippie. He's not going to be able to get it done. We we need reliable, reliable Joe Biden. Like the I like putting reliable next to Joe Biden's name just seems so divorced from reality. And yes, the party acted very disgustingly here. Um, again, I de- like. I get that Biden, because of his affiliation with Obama, already has this base of support, right, from older people, from from older Obama people specifically. And so he has that. And so I guess the establishment couldn't just do this for Cory Booker or Kamala Harris or Amy Klobuchar. Like, I don't I don't really understand why it had to be Joe Biden. That's the thing that kind of confuses me the most is the idea that there was literally no other person the establishment could have gotten behind. And I think that's what's, you know, kind of disturbing me the most. And, and, you know, I feel like I'm kind of rambling here, but it's like one, you know, it's hard to say that this was anything other than a just a rejection or repudiation or whatever you want to say to Bernie in his campaign, like straight up, like the issues were super clear. And again, it's not like Biden was some like light alternative where four years ago hillary was running a basically a bernie ultra light like she was straight up just stealing ideas at a certain point right and making it a part of her platform joe biden hasn't done any of that he's literally just shown up and he's gotten the vote so it's you know it's really disheartening for me honestly well i mean i think what's going on really is like i think what mike said about you know the trump experience has been so traumatizing for so many people that there's this kind of deep rooted desire for normalcy and to sort of go back to the way things were in a certain way from a certain from a certain portion of the democratic primary electorate right which definitely seems to be older people older people who disproportionately watch cable news for example and cable news like if you watch 5 seconds of it is like breathless um, hatred towards everything Bernie making him seem like, like a, a threat to democracy. Right. Um, and, 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 and there's, there's also like the, the dynamic that, like that you said that, you know, older people tend to have higher net worths. They also tend to have, they also have the two largest social programs in America. Also, they um, tend to be one, more conservative just generally as people age, they become more conservative. That's just yeah, like how it yeah. goes. And, and I don't know. You know I mean, actually, I think Republican the, the research, conservatism. No, um, no, the research. Michael, oh, oh, I don't yeah, mean no, like I, you become more Republican. You just become more "quote unquote" risk averse. Yeah. Oh no, no, I get what you're you know saying. What I mean? I'm just no, but totally. It's like, yeah, well, I just think they're the used to voting is, for that. Yeah, people people's voting patterns like kind of stay pretty pretty consistent. So if the people who are like 65 today um, started out and, and are Democrats and they started out voting for Democrats in the 1980s, for example, like what they're used to is a sort of Joe Biden type person, you know, and 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 voting patterns like remain remarkably consistent um, throughout people's lives. Um, they're just like what they're used to. They they were told for their whole lives that. You know, a person like Bernie was basically a Sandinista insurgent, you know. Um, so that, that in that sense, that that kind of makes sense. Um, and what we're seeing is a huge increase in turnout from these people for for this election, which is surprising, I think, to most people that Trump clearly has driven a larger turnout amongst affluent suburban people, which is, you know, it's just something that we didn't predict. 
Yeah, and I, I think that's true, and I, and I, I totally take your point, Waz. And I, I think that's, I mean, just I just have two other kind of though, like, just things that I that are sort of on my chest. So like one. I still have, and you know, I always mention Adolf Reed because he is just on my mind. And I just interviewed him again last night. I really recommend everybody watch that show because I know, watched it, my, it. It was great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Adolf. And my thing with Adolf Reed is like, look, I basically agree with everything he's saying. I like a hundred percent. I mean, he's like, you know, a main kind of teacher to me, but. Even if you disagree with some of it, there is somebody who's actually going to tell you something that you're not basically just getting processed. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a lot of stuff, like even really good stuff. It's like, yeah, OK, we already know all these kind of takes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I- including most of ours, obviously. But like Adolf is somebody who's put in the work. And like every time we talk, we really get into this idea that like, you know, OK, Obviously, it goes with, of course, there are times in certain situations where there's something like a universal black experience or a universal Jewish experience, right? Like if you if you actually experience like, you know, visceral like hate because of your identity, right? Uh, whether it's manifested through an act of violence or terrorism or a policy like denial of a loan or police abuse or, you know, state apparatus at you, of course. And at the same time, like this discourse of like the black electorate as an example that's always used in the democratic, in the conservative democratic discourse as a unitary singular thing yeah. is actually very racist yeah. <laughs> and inaccurate. So See, like, I think of it as young and old. Yeah, I think that. Well, okay, yeah. young and old. Young absolutely, and, that's there's, the, the separation to me. There's a huge separation between young and old. But I would, I would even add, was like, just. I mean, it's way more subtle. But like, Manhattan and Brooklyn, it's different. Right, like Brooklyn right, has right, a ton right. of folks from the Caribbean. Manhattan, right. Harlem is great migration. You know, I'm not. I'm making simple terms. So, my point is, is like. And this is very concretely where a certain type of really cheap, woke discourse is weaponized to undermine somebody. Because I think, frankly, like if you the part of the campaign and again, I agree with Nando, the bottom line is, is cable news and and it will lead me to like my second point really about the poor and working people, which will be much more brief. But tactically speaking, if you're the Sanders campaign, and number one, you know that, of course, first of all, you need to enlarge from 2016, not uh, subtract. So even, frankly, the fact that in the beginning, all of them were like, yeah, it was too white, too male, too white, too male. No, you should say it was too narrow and we're going to expand. Like, ironically, Jesse Jackson in 1988 did this better than anybody else I've seen. He could go across huge swaths of the electorate, including like – the little tiny fucking hill town that my parents went to let leave New York when they first went into Massachusetts, like this little tiny town called Shelburne Falls, right? Because they were hippies and they were broke and that's where they ended up, okay? There's no like real specific reason. But the funny thing about this town was that um, – well, it, I mean, now it's very weird, but 15 minutes out of it, there was a big mansion, and that's where Bill Cosby lived, right? Because he lived there, and he had a tennis court and everything, and he was going and getting his uh, master's at the University of Massachusetts. Now, this famous entertainer was, I mean, maybe one of two black people in the entirety of this town and essentially the region, right? I mean, it was terrifying lack of diversity. Now, in 1988, Jesse Jackson came to this town and there's photos of him with like the local police chief and the farmers and all these people. And I'm telling you really honestly, like I, I think legit, these are people who might've been literally shaking hands with Jesse Jackson, might've been the first black person they have ever interacted with. Like, I'm not even talking like, you know, oh, they see their neighbors, they don't talk to them, or they don't go to that side of town. I'm talking literally not met a human being that was black, right? And Jesse Jackson swept that town. He crushed it. Mm. And and I think, like, so my point is, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap this up. I'm sorry, I just got so much on my on my head about this. But, like, he... Bernie Sanders needed to say, we need to go have a much broader electorate 
adding off of what we already have. And the whole woke appeal isn't is not going to help us do that for two reasons, because one, some of that stuff, is, you know, it isn't going to help us retain what we got. And then hilariously, it's not going to help us expand uh, where we need to go. And very specifically, when the media says South Carolina represents the black vote, one, that's, that's dishonest. It's crazy. One, that's dishonest, in my opinion, because the black vote is enormously diverse. And we already saw in 2016 that by the time it went to the Midwest, Bernie was way more competitive than in South Carolina, right? And I think that but the Sanders campaign couldn't say tactically, you know what, South Carolina is actually pretty conservative uh, state generally. We're not going to compete in a general, and the Clyburn machine is never going to endorse us. So just like other candidates will kind of like play the expectation game. If he did that, then they would have flipped it and been like, ah, here goes the Bernie bro. You know, here he goes. No matter how many great policies he put out, no matter how much you know seriousness he had about an actual civil rights agenda, which he does more so than any other candidate. So I, I think like there's a lot of like and, and, it, and it also goes for people on the left who, who do this dumb blame the electorate racist shit like, oh, why don't black people get the Bernie's great? Well, what are you talking about? Like, I don't know if I'm, you know, if I'm a 60 something middle class South Carolinian who happens to be African-American. Yeah, of course, I'll have a different set of concerns than a white person, but I'm not going to be that much more amenable or interested in the idea that South Carolina blacks are representative of black people. I mean, they're not right. I mean, honestly, look, and what I will say for those people who want to do that, the only thing that you can say is that they are representative of a reliably Democratic vote. That's it. That's 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 it. But that and then and that means something, right? These people who reliably come out, they they represent a block of people who reliably come out. Um, and when you see all of the, you know, all of the fucking nana nana boo boo, and you seeing in centrist left media um outlets recently where they're like, oh, I thought you were gonna have all these young people come out. <laughs> you know, all the ridiculousness that came out in a few days, they were just basically like, you were counting on these people who don't routinely come out. And that's a mistake. Which I don't I, like I don't like I don't I'm not a freaking campaign strategist. I can't tell you how to work the math the right way. I think, you know, if you're looking at yourself and being like, look, this faction of the party is entrenched with this voting block. Shit, man. Obviously, your your strategy and your selling point has to be, I got to go find votes somewhere else, right? Yeah. And, and so the but the thing with the with the black vote that is so annoying is like you said, that there's not there's not a monolith of, of black voters. That's obvious. That's like it's a ridiculous thing to suggest. But in the specific case of the American South, where black voters have overwhelmingly voted for Biden, like the numbers are insane. The, the older ones, I'm saying um, it's it's a very particular thing in that voters are very um are very loyal to people, to politicians that deliver the goods for them. So, and, right. and one of the things that's sort of defined American politics in the last 30 years is that no one has delivered the goods for anybody. Like what's like one real reform that any politician can point to that's actually improved people's lives. The thing is in the American South, the uh, black establishment did work very, very difficult, very, very hard to actually improve the lives of these these older black voters. Like, I mean, they remember what it was like before the civil rights uh, movement sort of took over. Yeah. They remember they delivered the goods for them. They improved their lives. You know, did it did it make their lives perfect? No. But it but they remember what it was like. So they're loyal to that to that contingent of people who delivered those goods for them. And there's very few politicians in the American scene who can claim credibly to anyone in their in their voting base, look, look what I brought you. I brought you this, you know, and 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 that's a lot of what's going on here. And then the other thing I'll say is that one of the most insidious effects of Warren's run from the beginning was that it really hamstrung Bernie's ability to sort of not have to cover his left, if that makes sense, yep. you know, like 
every time he would try to pivot to try to expand his base, especially when it came to older voters, you know, like it was always a problem for Bernie. Like, even though he was an old guy, he never polled well with older people and he never really could pitch his campaign explicitly at them because he was covering up for some, you know, annoying thing that the Warren campaign was bringing up about some annoying thing. You know, he was always covering for some activisty thing that he had to, he had to fight off, you know, like he could never fully pitch his message in a unified and consistent way and that to expand the electorate. Like, and that includes even just, again, just to make it concrete, like, I don't know what you guys will think about this, but I'm like very convinced that it was worth a shot out of the gate to really be like, yeah, I'm a, Dem you know, like whatever I've used the word democratic socialist. That's sure. But I'm the heir to FDR. We need an FDR moment. And that might have neutralized some of the worry about him amongst younger voters, older voters, right? Maybe. And, and now, the thing is, maybe. he couldn't, he couldn't but what I'm really saying is, do look, that if he was worried about losing the left base. You but know, that's, because exactly, that's exactly my point. Because, like, again, we all know, and of course it's important historically and it's important analytically to, to understand how the new de how deals were made with the uh, you know apartheid south and the full complexities of the roosevelt legacy but it's become such a it's like it's starting to do the job of the right it's like yeah. yes fdr absolutely is this like literally anybody else i mean frankly i tell people on the left like there's plenty of people that we fucking like and admire who don't have completely clean record like i look Martin I'm, luther I'm, king I'm, yeah. Fucking Fidel Castro. I mean, I love and admire the guy. You don't think he did a little bit of dirt that complexifies his legacy? I mean, some people don't, but I just don't think that exists. And my thing is, is like, there was a time, and, and again, we could exaggerate how important this stuff is because this is what we do, but there was a period of time where it's like, you know, now people are freaked out and it's more present. But if it was like, you know, a year ago, 16 months ago, if Bernie was putting out, he did a few, but if he was putting out steady, like New Deal messaging, there would be a whole contingent of people just concerned trolling it and be like, oh, really? Yeah. FDR is blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you know, actually, Warren's a lot more intersectional because they right. were tweeting about how much she likes Moonlight. Yeah. And the thing is, is like, yes, I think in the grand scheme of things, like the material power of corporations and, and, and the powerful media propaganda and everything. Yes, that matters more. But it's like if you're going up against George Foreman, you better be like in the best fucking shape of your life. And the, the Warren campaign and all of these things is and it's also like the inability to distinguish like even the things things that are laudable and correct and are positions that we should have, but also not something that you're going to lean on and articulate as the main thing when you're running for president. You know, like and, – and I feel like – and Waz, I know you and I have talked about this so much, like always the comedy juxtaposition of like the kind of like, you know, stereotypical kind of like white millennial who has like the – you know, the perfect program and the most highly developed sensitivity for people of color and the audiences that it's most not resonating with are people of color. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> happens all the time. But the thing <laughs> is, what were they supposed to do? Like, I feel I have sympathy for Bernie Stinging, like, because I was at the oh, rally yeah. in California and like, you know, he puts the, the, the Black Lives Matter girl up there and like... What was he supposed to do after that was the huge-ass criticism of being colorblind and blah, 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 blah? Like, he couldn't just double down and be like, all right, pay it, quote-unquote, lip service. He kind of had to do all of that shit. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's but so unfortunate, but, like, he got, they hung that shit on his campaign last time, so he felt, they felt it necessary to, quote-unquote, address that, like... Trust me, dude. I cringed when I saw Hillary Clinton, mothers of the movement or whatever the hell it was, when she just had the moms of a bunch of victims on that stage. And I'm just like, this is weird. Yeah, but here's my question for you real quick. And to both of you, please, because I'm really trying to figure it out. And this is what always, you know, anybody can, t can twist this in a million different ways. Again. And I'm not even talking like, yes, that he was protested by Black Lives Matter. The first answers he had in 2016 about Black Lives Matter sucked. Fine. We've already had that conversation like 
a gazillion times. My point is that absolutely to win a Democratic primary in the presidency, he needed to expand out for sure. But then when you really look at what expand out means, you come back to like the fact that nobody cares. Like, like, yes, like a lot of the people most saying there's an example like, oh, he was colorblind. He's this. He's that. I mean, first of all, a lot of some of those critiques are valid. A lot of those critiques were in bad faith and, and problematic. But then it comes to the second step, which is like, OK, that's 100 percent true. But probably the people most complaining about that and like left like Venmo woke media are the last people to actually have the strategy to be able to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like Bernie's not yeah. translating to like older voters of color. Absolutely. How do we deal with that? Oh, let's hire a 27 year old who went to Oberlin who is going to, you know, see, but that's you, okay. You know see, that's the thing. That's though. a problem. But this is the problem, though, Mike. This is the problem. That idea of Bernie as quote unquote running a colorblind campaign was an idea promoted and permeated by people who I call fancy Negroes. The type of Negroes <laughs> who get to be on MSNBC and spread that message. That's the problem, right? Like, right. it doesn't matter right. how true or not it is. The, the people who are going to deliver that, the, peop, the same people who are still making that dumbass argument were the types of fancy Negroes who got two and three degrees and who who can say, like, oh, this man ain't woke enough. He ain't color, he colorblind with his <laughs> the campaign. Thing is, the thing Mind is, Joe you, Biden's these are people success. with good jobs, two or three degrees. They will never be affected by a lot of the shit. Well, so that, a agree, lot of the shit that they're poo-pooing, they're not affected by it. Yeah, they're, Joe they're Biden's success right proves they're wrong. Like Joe well, Biden. 100%. Joe Biden's success. Joe Biden's success in a way proves they're right. But and that's another great example of of how electorates are different because the, the people on MSNBC are just right wing. Like that yes. they are capitalist, yes. like they don't yes. care about poor people and yes. they just want that's it. But what I'm I'm I guess I keep saying I agree with what you're saying a thousand percent. I'm just saying just going it back has to, to be what, addressed because of the machine what the left man. can do. Like, even if it like, look, Jesse Jackson came very late in the game. I don't know why, but I, the more I look at it and including amongst like, like no one loves, I'm, there's no bigger Cornell West stand than me. And Cornell West actually does this a really good job. But like, when you look at how Jesse Jackson conveyed what Bernie's trying to do for people, there's no like speak. It's just, this is the moral center. This is what people need. Like, that would do more work than listening to people's buzzwords. That's all I'm saying. And I'm just saying that because I'm saying that's the 5% we have control over. We don't have control yet over who they put on MSNBC. 100%, Mike. But all I'm saying about MSNBC is that, like, the reason he has to address it is the reason why it matters because it's being perpetuated by the machine. Like, the mm -hmm. machine has put it out yeah. there. And they have black faces that they can put on it. On the machine. So it's like, what is he going to do? He's kind of cornered at this point. It's either I address this or I don't. And and like to not address it, it's all they're going to do is get on MSNBC the next day and be like, look, Bernie won't even address it. Like, But I think honestly, I think honestly, and then I'll shut up and Nando, please go. I think honestly, he if they went out and they were like, look, in terms of the things that really have to happen, we have an incredibly diverse campaign staff. We're going to every single area with a clear message. And of course, we're going to have specific policies uh, related to different groups, no, no question. And at the same time, like what Cornell West said to Mehdi Hassan at the beginning of the campaign, like, I care about the issues, not the buzzwords. And incidentally, we do know that you know, I'm going to get raked through the coals for caring about poor people on MSNBC every fucking day. It may or may not work. The odds are stacked against me, but I'm not going to play that game because it's stacked against me and it's bullshit. I think that's a risk that needs to be taken. That's all I'm saying. That's the last thing I'll say on that. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Mike, to, to your earlier question also about like what what Bernie could have done, like whether he should have done like a, a speech sort of saying that he doesn't use the, the word socialism anymore or whatever. 
you know, I, I go back and forth on that because sometimes I think like, oh, yeah, that's still use the like, word. I just, I'm, I'm sorry. I miss, I must've missed. No, still use the word, but just every single day, make it clear that like, it's an American thing. That's yeah, all. I guess. Yeah. Because like, you know, sort of going, but the, there's a lot of people like on, on the left now who are debating that very same thing, you know, like whether, you know, like he should have done something like that. And, you know, like I go back and forth on it because it obviously is like a, it definitely is a, a word that scares definitely, uh, certainly older people. Um, but at the same time, you know, the only reason why Bernie has any appeal in the first place is that he stays true to himself. You know, um, that's kind of what his superpower is really as a politician. It's the reason why he's done the remarkable things he's done in the last five years is because he reads very authentically to people, you know, and to do that would just come off as so phony and contrived, you know, like, you know, they could just like throw up a million videos of him saying the saying it, you know, in, in, in interviews all over the place. And, and it would just, it would just undermine the, the the core thing about his appeal uh, from his personal appeal. Um, and then in terms of like the, the, you know, the, the woke nonsense. I mean, I think the, the, his success with Latino voters this time around Uh is interesting and it's interesting to look at, right? Because there were other campaigns who used the buzzwords, you know? Um, I feel like the Julian Castro campaign, the Elizabeth Warren campaign, the Camelo, Kamala Harris. Of course it's different. Of course it's different. It doesn't have from like everybody in like, that's the difficulty of the party is like it legitimately is a diverse coalition. But the, <laughs> like, my, my, my point with the Latino thing, though, is is that it was it was a genuine expansion of his appeal in the yep. sense that he did not yeah, do that exactly. well with Latino voters last time around. And this time he did. Exactly. You know, it's right. the biggest sort of delta. And he didn't do that by doing like Elizabeth Warren. Like, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to read Eat some of all, yes, and all the Latinx writers who who were both moving through the world as as brown skin, but also expressing themselves in, in sexually fluid ways. And that was really what I was thinking about when I created the CFPB. Can I just say, let me give me, give me one second of Warren hate. I love that moment with Warren. We talked about this on my show the other day, like, cause, cause there was a minute because we were talking about all of her, like the people she doesn't owe anything to, including like the sucker buster fool activists who actually endorsed her, believing she cared about things like single pair. <laughs> and, and we were talking about how, like there was even a minute where she did like abolish ice. And then she was at a forum and she basically was just like, well, I mean, you know, there's drug dealers, you need ice. And it was like, <laughs> yeah. and it, yeah, was it was so, so funny. Clear. It was like, this woman, and, and again, I'm not even like Waz. I'm not even trying to get into all of it. I think she might care about some parts of financial regulation, but like, she doesn't give. A, and I'm sure it's like generically, like you know, yeah, like of course racism is bad, but she doesn't give a fuck or know about any of this stuff. And they had like a twenty-something social team just like blasting out this content. And then when she got hit with like abolish ice in that forum, it was almost like. 70 year old white lady reassert like what what wait a second yeah, are you insane yeah, yeah. <laughs> you fucking nuts? <laughs> yeah. oh god it's just so funny how she just duped everyone i mean it's just crazy you know like, oh man it's infuriating and i you know the damn i i i cannot overstate i think overstate the damage that she did really like in world historic terms. I really think like she'll go down in history as someone who did an unbelievable amount of damage. It's really, really quite remarkable. You know, here's the thing. Um, you guys worried about Corona? Um, yeah, I am. I, I I am very much personal safety, but yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people are going to get sick. A lot of people, a lot of people are going to sick. Yeah. A lot of people are going to get sick. A lot of people are going to die. Like, the world is basically going to shut down. Like people were talking about like, yeah, it'll blow over in a couple months. And I'm like, well, why, you know, like, yeah, yeah I mean, they think it when the, when the weather gets warmer, it'll, it'll go away. But then, then the weather's going to get colder in the South. <laughs> it's winter down there, you know? And, um, I don't see, like, you know, until they get a vaccine, um, like, I don't see how in this kind of hyper-connected globalized world, um, anything is going to kind of happen. It's just, it's really, it's really strange to think about like just a complete halt in everything. And I just, 
and and it's important that we talk about this. Um, obviously, you know, by the time anybody listens to this, they've already been doing the new stuff. You know, all of the stuff that's getting shut down. New York's New York City is declared a public uh, a, a state of emergency. Like by now, everybody's gotten the hint that this is a major happening and it's going to affect a lot of stuff. Um, but we wouldn't be woke bros if we didn't bring up the fact. And this is according to the Wall Street Journal. The Fed is about to give put poor 1.5 trillion with a T with the <laughs> wave of, of, of a nowhere. pen into yeah, just, the uh, quote unquote market to stabilize it. We're not gonna have a public bank. debate. We're not gonna um wring our hands about how do we pay for it. We're not gonna do any of that shit. Nothing with the wave of a pen. To yeah. stabilize the quote-unquote market, the Fed is going to put 100 trillion, excuse me, $1.5 trillion into the market to quote-unquote stabilize it, okay? But sick people can't get health care. Um, people unemployed can't get a check. It, like, literally, this is going to happen with the stroke of a pen, like it's, it's it's so whenever you hear people talking shit and they say, well, how are we going to pay for health care? How are we going to pay for college? Who's going to pay for it? Who's going to pay for it? You know, they're full of shit like they give the game away every single time. This is not going to come up for a vote. Like, they're not going to put this to the American people like, yo, should we do this? And they're not going to, like, scrutinize it and be like, well, what about this and what about that? They're just going to fucking do it. For the money class, period. No questions asked. Anyway, I just wanted to tell you guys that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's really remarkable. They can always find money when they really need it. Um, I mean, and then you see like you see like a bunch of liberals like, well, actually, these are these are short term loans that you know don't count um, for some reason. Uh, it's it's really what it's really remarkable. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's that's the point. We can yeah, do this for I'll other a, things. I'll take if a short term. I'll take a short term loan. Yeah. Um, Hillary Clinton just tweeted out to Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, I know this is hard for you at Donald Trump, so let me spell it out. Free testing, free waivers, emergency sick care, quarantine, cancellations, giving a damn. And I quote tweeted oh, it and I quote tweeted it as like, whoa, look at you offering magic ponies all of a sudden. Like, I mean, it, and I and I think because that's what she said about, you know, Bernie giving everybody yeah, health care yeah. and everything. And I just the fact that Joe Biden literally went on television saying he would not sign universal health care during this does really show you that these people like democratic hacks have beliefs. Yeah. They're, they're crazy. They're committed. They're committed. They're committed. To they have their yeah. own absolutely insane, destructive worldview. But I mean, I want to actually just maybe throw a little bit of a contrarian perspective out there because I think it's, Especially because honestly, like I just saw like the UK Electoral Commission is talking about delaying elections. Like yeah. God knows what the – yeah, I get the logistics, but I also think that that's a very like – No, no, I, I know. I know what you're you know, getting like, at. Like I it's going to – I mean there's no gonna, doubt that there's Emergency room, powers there's you know, like are going right to start there. coming up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We've got a group of psychos and we all know that like if Trump comes out and says – Let's have the election in four years. The Democrats will be like, uh, what about a House election in three years? <laughs> All right. You know, like yeah, we know that yeah. that's how it will go. And so I think that, you know, I, I want to say too, like, there's a there's got to be a middle way between you should. I, I can't reiterate this enough. People really, really, really should make every single responsible decision, particularly those of us who frankly, you know, are not like in any, you know, particular danger to make sure that we don't carry this or give it on, like be safe. A lot of people are at risk, hundred percent. And at the same time, like, I don't think being in a state of terror and panic is conducive for like, what we're trying to do. I don't necessarily even think it's necessary. Like, I think if you have enough of a sense of urgency to, you know, take care of what you need to take care of, that's it. Right. Then. And the other thing too, is I, 
there's also the flip side of like, yes, the money is always there to give to the wealthy. And like, there isn't an emergency bailout for kids that aren't going to get school lunches. I mean, it's evil. This shit is evil. It is evil. We're yeah, in a like fucking diming right now in Congress over like yeah. this, all this, you know, bullshit. It's, it's, it's actually evil. Free. It's yeah. evil. These people are evil. They're evil. I mean, there's there's one party that is straight up an evil death cult, and there's another party that is equal parts feckless, ineffective, evil death cult, and just embarrassing. And those are what we've got. Uh, so that's true. And on the other hand, I also think that people should look at this and say, you know, not only could we have universal health care, not only could we have a decent, dignified life for every single human being. We all don't need to even work as much as we're working. Like we don't need like we of course we want to work and of course we want to do things, but like uh, so much of this shit and like the day to day, like stores don't need to be open every fucking day. We don't need to be consuming all the time. We don't in fact that would be good for the environment. <laughs> and if we had like a proper system set in place, People could spend their lives actually doing things besides work, and that would be a good thing. And people are constantly talking about how jobs of the future are threatened. Well, at some point, you got to decide, you know, whether or not people are just going to be broken down and suffer because of it, or, you know, have an opportunity to like develop themselves as human beings, basically. So, so I think like you should take this to learn and also. I mean, whatever, it's a Hail Mary pitch for Bernie, but like this is the it is like a God opportunity to be able to elect this guy president. <laughs> There's nothing else like it in the mix. And like you're not we are not going like even in a more benign scenario where, you know, Joe Biden is president. And they wheel him out to say, like, hey, you should be nice to each other. I was the original guy that was nice to each other. You know, and it's not Trump, whatever. Uh, you know, we don't get a hold of all these problems. We're going to have more shit like this. All right. Yeah. That's our show for today, guys. Um, thank you for tuning in. Of course, don't forget, you'll get your refund for the shows that are canceled. We got some announcements coming up pretty shortly about some different things that we're going to try to do for our fans. So stay tuned for that. Stay safe. Uh, make sure you're washing your hands and your ass. Um, and um, yeah man we'll be back next week of course we're looking into a couple of different things to spruce the show up but we'll be back next week for Nando Vila for Michael Brooks the evil producer Rob Lopez I'm Wazi Lambre um, this was the Woke Bros we have.